Welcome to the Project In Between podcast, an open and safe place where we are sharing stories of healing from emotional and stressful events. After any form of emotional trauma, there is an in-between phase, a healing phase. The in-between phase, this is where uncertainty meets growth and renewal. We all heal from these situations at different rates. What matters is the stories we resonate with, the lessons we have gained, and the experience that has made us a better person. So today we have Denise. Thank you so much for coming on. Beautiful Denise. (laughs) So Denise is a communications expert. She's a life and style coach and the founder of Unboxed Life and Style, a lifestyle brand created to empower women. And I just bloody love that concept thank you so much for coming on <laughs> Unbox. absolutely thank you so much for having me <laughs> it just reminds me Denise have you ever read the book Untamed no I've heard so much about it but no oh you've got to and the fact that you said a lifestyle brand created to empower women if you get a chance, um, read the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I've literally just read that and, I, and it was almost like she was speaking my language, this woman. Oh, yeah. said unboxed as well and it just reminded me of being untamed. <laughs> it's so funny and I've heard so many great things about that book. I will. I have to. <laughs> it's like you've, you've got to. It's just amazing. I feel like it's so on brand for you as well and I just, I just love it. So... <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, give us a little bit of a background about yourself, your childhood. Um, yeah, just anything really. It's all yeah, no, so, yeah. absolutely. So um, I am an only child. I grew up with no brothers and sisters. I was actually a preemie. I was born at 28 weeks because my mom actually found out she had cancer when I when she was pregnant with me. So it was one of those situations where I've heard it was like, cross your fingers, hope they both make it. Um, but did, we're both very strong women. So we made it through. Um, so yeah, I mean, that led to me having some like health, like heart problems. Um, I remember eighth grade, I couldn't even carry my backpack because it was too much for my heart. So, but luckily things just started to go well and I kind of grew into just being a lot healthier. So that was, that was great. Um, my background is in fashion marketing and design. And I started off working actually um, in New York City. I was doing different events and stuff. And then I went back to, I was living in Miami at the time and did, um, I was production assistant with Fa- Miami Fashion Week. And then I started working for Perry Ellis. Um, and then I ended up meeting someone who I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with um, and got married and um, had a baby. Um, during that pregnancy, I actually found out that I had a blood clotting disorder. So my pregnancies were very they were great, but they were not the, oh, it was just, I had to inject myself every day with the blood thinner. Um, I was always in the hospital for appointments. It was a high risk. I was induced. Um, But after that time, you know, you go through changes and, you know, yes, you evolve. um, But my marriage, I was just in a very bad place. I, you think that you are marrying someone and you're in it forever. Um, but it turned into a very, very toxic, unhealthy, verbally abusive relationship where I just was not um, respected, not just as a woman, but as a mother. And, you know, I, and I've heard this before from other people. I thought, you know what, maybe having another baby will save my 
my marriage and, you know, going through that aspect of life. Um, and unfortunately it did not, um, you know, and I always say behind closed doors, you know, everyone thought, oh, what a great, you're so happy. But even my family, when I actually said, I, I need to leave this marriage, it was like a shock because I, I never really shared too much because of the, I think of the taboo of society and, you know, you're supposed to do this and do that. And um, I was like, no. So I, I had my second child um, and then I fell into this spiral where I was dealing with severe postpartum depression. Um, I couldn't get, get a grip of things. I just felt like I was in a spiral and I couldn't control what was happening around me. I was always crying. I remember it took me finally, I was in the car with my mother and I pulled over and I was just bawling. And I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I need help. I need to just get out of this. Um, and it was that moment that just really finally I woke up and said, number one, A, I need help, which I think is very hard sometimes for women to actually kind of step out and say, oh, I, I really need to, something is not right. So um, yeah, you know, I, I got the help that I needed, but at the same time I knew I needed to fix you know, what was ahead of me, which was leaving, unfortunately, a 10 year marriage. Um, so I did. And it, it, as hard as it was, and as scary as it was, I was doing it for my daughters. A lot of people say I'm staying in this marriage for my kids. And I wish so many people would actually listen to that because you're not really doing it yourself a favor. You're, you're not doing the kids a favor. Um, you know, now, and now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, amazingly happy. I found my actual true person I'm supposed to be with. I'm, I, we have a beautiful blended family. Um, but it took some time to really set yourself up and really finally recognize this is not who I need to be. I need to get back to my core of who I really am, surrounding yourself with people that really support and love you. And that also means eliminating a lot of toxic energy and people that you know will bring you down. So that's how my journey began <laughs> yeah yeah like far out I completely resonate with this on so many levels like um society at this at this at the at the crux of it all society Denise like I know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to being married and um and it's you know I say this constantly to friends and family and people who are married and people who aren't married and um, even friends who have never been married and they're in long-term relationships and loving right. relationships, you know, and my own marriage broke down last year through COVID for a good reason and it's totally okay. However, um, you do go through that guilt and that shame and the um, like, oh, my God, I failed um, because society yeah. says that when you get married, you stay married forever. And right. And nobody wants to become a statistic, right? Right. Nobody wants to become a statistic. Yeah. And if you're a statistic, it's like you're a failure. <laughs> yeah, and, no, yeah, but when you're on the other side of that failure, it's like, am I a failure? You, you start to question your identity. You start to question everything about your own existence. And I just think you should never have to do that, right? No, absolutely. And I always say this is, I tell, you know, a lot of women that I've worked with, this is, this doesn't define you at all. It's a, a point in your life that either 
you needed to just pivot. It made you stronger. It made you lead yourself into a better journey. So the taboo of our society of talking about and what's accepted or not accepted, I think we need to relieve ourselves from that because it really, there really isn't because you allow yourself what other people's are, other people are thinking and saying. So if you're allowing that, it's only going to come to you that way. But if you're actually putting out there, I'm stronger. Yes, it, it didn't work out. And this is where I'm going now. Yeah. People should hopefully follow you and, and not to let that, you know, hold you back. So I just think, I remember like even when I was married thinking, you know, there's no way I would ever want to be a, a single mother or, you know, or any of that stuff because I could see how hard it was for them. But it's a fear and it is a fear that you have to be very, very careful of because your fears can often become your own reality if you don't. Oh, of course. Right. And, um, and yeah, society does not care for single mothers very well. The economy does not care mm -hmm. for single mothers very well. I know this all too well myself. <laughs> um, not that it's a, a, an issue, but I don't know. Like I just think the whole paradigm of you get married forever is so completely misguided because we all change and grow at different rates. And right. sometimes that other person, and thankfully for myself, I don't know about you with your other your ex-husband or whatever but thankfully for myself it was just a matter of that I met him when I was a very young woman and he was also very young and, and <laughs> I just don't know if that notion of getting married in your 20s um and right. then staying, yeah. you know what I mean and then yeah. staying <laughs> I don't think it's actually and in fact like because I have I've, I've got a nursing background and a behavioral science uh you know I kind of understand the mind and the body like quite well now and I now realize that if at, at the age of 35 for women especially our brains actually change quite a they lot do. yeah mm -hmm. and if, if I if I only had have known this when I was younger <laughs> um your brains and then for men it's um you know in their early 40s 40, so, yeah yeah right and then so everybody's everybody's like oh you're going through a crisis or you're going mad or whatever no it's a neurological thing for your brain to change at that particular age and you grow and change at different rates. And that is why a lot of marriages end, you know, in those sort of late 30s, early 40s type things or even later but um, because of the neurological changes um, because you don't know who you are in your early. Yeah. And you don't go into a marriage with, oh, I'm, I'm going to divorce you. Yeah. I mean, your, your mind is set to where, you know, yeah. But at the same time, people do change. And yes, I got married in my twenties, early twenties. Right. So um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And postpartum depression amongst all of that. I also yeah. experienced the same thing and yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Like what was that experience for you? So, yeah. So I had a two-year-old at home and um than my newborn. So, you know, everything and being a mom, I think that as women, we just, no matter what we put on different hats and we just go and we just try to manage it all, no matter what. However, when you start to doubt yourself and you just feel like you're just not worth anything. And then your partner is just not supportive or acknowledging anything that you're doing. 
And you just, I like myself, I felt like everything, my house was coming down, the walls were coming, like I just was feeling suffocated. I was crying all the time. Um, I, I didn't know how, if, what I was doing. If I was a good mom, was I failing at this? Was I failing as a wife? Why was, why was our communication not there? I was trying everything and it was just spiraling and spiraling until it, it was just a, I think the best word to describe would be suffocating where I just couldn't control what was around me because I just had no means of how to communicate it out in that sense, yeah. other than crying. <laughs> so. Yeah. And as women, often we're, t- we're told or taught that it's, you know, don't cry too much or, you know, don't express yourself too much because a lot of people don't societally know how to understand human emotion correct yeah mm-hmm. would you agree absolutely yes yeah. yeah so crying obviously it's um I myself went through postnatal depression and sort of put as a nurse as well I pushed it away for a really long time which was really unhealthy for myself and our family but I, I was so used to putting everybody else first right um that I just pushed that part of me away and I was like, well, this is what parenting is and this is what being a mother is. Did you feel those feelings? Absolutely. I mean, when I even try and going back to work after being home for the time, I felt this enormous guilt that I I could not be, Why? how could I be at work and I have now two kids coming home and having to just really try to switch that mom gear and absolutely, completely, I, I understand that because it was a very difficult transition, especially dealing with all that. Mm. The transitioning, I know for myself and one of my other girlfriends, my nursing friends, she, she's she got a, a one-year-old at the moment and she's gone just recently gone back to work and um, she's also going through the same thing, the guilt, the absolute guilt that you feel about leaving your child within childcare while you're going to work when you know that you can do a better job and society and the economy and like we've got to survive, right? So therefore we've got to put our children into the care of others. Therefore there's another added layer of I now have to entrust another person to care for my child. (laughs) Did you did yeah. you have as well? Yes, yes. And even though I was blessed with the fact that I had my mother to help me out, mm-hmm. um, which made it, I, I would say, I guess, a little easier. However, it's still, uh, you know, and, and the way society is and the ex- what's demanded, I think, is, you know, as a woman and getting back into and the disregard of what you just put your body through number one bringing in a, you know a life into the world but then just having to then break and then stop and then okay now you're you have to come back to work and this is life and yada 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 so it, it does it, it, it's a very tricky mind um the way that you have to kind of perceive and go through that change because it's not easy it really is not I mean as a woman as for myself I mean for men I'm sure yes they get allotted a what a week or two and then they're back and they come home it's not the same it just really isn't the same so no and it, it's not it, it really it's the pressure on women as much as I loved the 60s revolution of women being able to um go to work and have children and all that sort of stuff I do feel like it probably put a lot of pressure on women to be more than probably what they could actually handle um, right yeah 
love it like so glad that we can vote and all that but I'm like as a byproduct we're now so completely stressed and overworked and overwhelmed beyond belief now and it's like how do we rebalance the scales and um I remember saying to my daughter's father um when I was really struggling and I said you've you, you need to pick up half of this battle as well because this is not all on my shoulders, even though it did fall on my shoulders. And, and he's like, oh, but I can't because, you know, my company as a man will not allow me to take half of the burden. And I was like, well, this is affecting our marriage. And it, yeah. in the end, I feel like that if we're if if going forward as a society if if we're going to continue to have children and mm-hmm. procreate and all of this the then companies need to recognize men and women equally yeah and it's you know yes women bear the brunt of having the children which is so beautiful and lovely and all of that stuff but you know men also need to have the opportunity like i know in sweden i think it is um they've got this beautiful opportunity to have i think it's 18 months the men um yeah it was i know there was another i don't even know if it was france or denmark or some somewhere that i i heard the same thing they can take like in a huge amount of time off yeah and their happiness radar, and I'm I'm really big into researching happiness radars of other countries and all that. So just just yeah. because, yeah, like if you've ever experienced unhappiness, you're like, okay, well, where is happiness being experienced elsewhere? It. <laughs> um, but I remember I remember saying to my ex husband at the time because he works for a, an airline, and I said, can we get a transfer to the happiest country in the world so that we can share the load? <laughs> maybe our marriage might have stayed together I don't know (laughs) who knows but um but sharing the load like (laughs) I don't know for your marriage with your ex-husband and your family and stuff how was that for you um in sharing the load and what was the burden like for you it was uh it was a lot honestly to be honest it was it was a one-way street in many different aspects and it, my ex-husband, I don't know if it was his upbringing or what, but it was a very, I'm the man, you're the woman. This is my role. This is your role. And of course I was young. I was like, oh yeah, sure. This is what marriage is supposed to be. Um, I'll be in the kitchen. Like, you know, so <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. But, uh, it, you know, once you start to really develop and grow together as a couple and you start to realize, no, this isn't, this is not really what it's supposed to be. Um, the load on my shoulders was just way too heavy and it was just not not that it wasn't just not fair but just the to be able to have someone recognize and say hey let me let's work at this together we are a team versus I'm not supposed to do that that's not me you know so working together as a team yeah and I do feel like and you're right as you said you don't know if that's what his upbringing was because a lot of it does it, a lot of our adult behaviors do come from our our childhood, like so our environment as a child. And that doesn't have to be good or a bad thing. It, it's just it's what we download in our environment as a child, and that's who we model and act as an adult until we become aware, self-aware of um, how those particular behaviors counteract. So it, you you're probably right. It would never have been his fault or anyone's fault really it was just would have been his environment like that's just what 
men do and that's just what women do but then you're right it becomes a massive burden on you and it's like well something's got to break it's kind of like um you know when you're pushing something like this there's only so many or 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 stretching an elastic band right there's only so many times you can stretch an elastic band or it it, it gets so weak and weary and it goes you know what snap (laughs) i'm done (laughs) absolutely and you know and the fact that you know if if your partner, if you're in the same situation, is willing to have some sort of open communication to figure out how to make it better. But when someone is very close-minded and not open to any type of help or you know whatever avenue you want to go to, it makes it 100% harder. Yeah, yeah. They've got to have the emotional skills, men specifically. Yeah. Well, your other partner doesn't have to be men, actually. I shouldn't say men. Uh, your other part, your partner has to have, A, the emotional skills and resilience to understand and the communication. Communication, oh, my gosh. It's, oh, it's so important. I reckon it's so, it's worth its weight in gold. You communi- Open and honest communication is worth it, money. You, money can't buy it, right? No. Yeah, 100%. It's it's so, it's so true because I feel like that is the root of a lot of problems that could be fixed if, if you really worked at it. But if communication is not a strong point that cannot be between two people come together to really make it work, then it's just, it's not a good thing. Yeah. I almost feel like (laughs) it's the one thing that should be focused on um, in, within school. Like they all, I mean, I don't know about you, but I did debating and all of that hilarious stuff in school <laughs> yeah but debating what that encourages is argument like arguing for a point and being right and <laughs> it's like <laughs> you've got to kind of see a bit of but it's I feel like almost it's almost like what you're trying to do with debating is <laughs> communicating your point to another person to the point of I'm right and you're wrong Right. Right. Yeah. But I almost feel like there also needs to be taught in schools um, effective communication around understanding. This is actually a good point I, I want to point out. Um, when children act out, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've got this, uh, I don't have it here, but anyway, I'll read it out. I'll just quickly read it out. It says, beneath every behaviour there is a feeling and beneath beneath every feeling there is a need. Mm. And when we meet that need rather than the behaviour, um, uh, sorry, rather than focus on the behaviour, um, we begin to deal with the cause of the symptom. So does that make sense? Love that, yes. Yeah, I'll post that. Um, but so I guess what I was trying to say in regards to communication and behaviour is Often what we see is the communication, which is the behaviour, but what we don't see is what is actually going on underneath. Mm-hmm. Do you know what yeah, I mean? The yeah. so the communication or the non-communication, as we were talking, is really just the symptom of what's simmering underneath that we just don't know is going right. on. Exactly. goes back to the layering, the layers of just trying to come up. Yep. The onion layering, as I like to call it, it's all—it's <laughs> all an onion. We're we're uh, like as adults, we're an onion layer upon onion layer of societal conditioning and all of that stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about. Okay, so you went through postpartum, and 
obviously separation and all that. So tell us a little bit about the thought process behind like, so I, like I call it the in-between. So it's like, you've made the decision. It's, it's time to go. Tell us a little bit about the process between from when you you've made the decision to go and then obviously the little yucky part in between and then, wow, you found another amazing partner. And yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So at the same time of all of that as well, I, I, I love, so my background, like I said, was fashion marketing and design. So I did a ton of that, but I never had the support of my ex-husband to really uh, be there all the time or support anything that I did. So I, I kind of backed down and I went more into like a media and advertising type of a job where at a desk or meeting with clients, trying to help them promote their business, which was, I was really great with. However, it was just toxic environment at work between that and between the environment at home I was just going crazy <laughs> so um I ended up leaving once I, I left my ex-husband I made the decision a few, couple months later to leave that as well because again it wasn't true to who I was and so it was scary it was very scary you know again walking away from a 10-year marriage where there was still that sense of I don't want to say comfort but a I knew I had it there to kind of just, okay, fall back on whatever. I'm miserable, but it's there. But I had my kids and then I was, I had left a job, but I, you know, there was many nights of like crying. Am I doing the right thing? And then there were, there were nights that I felt extremely well and empowered saying, I got this and I can kind of move forward. So I thank God I had my parents that I was able to um, take over their entire basement <laughs> <laughs> just remodel it yes. and turned it into like my living space with my daughters. And I focused for a while really on myself and my girls and just trying to really reset my whole body, mind, and soul, because I was just wanting to just take all that negative energy and that toxic, you know, words and environment around me and just start fresh and really just start to recognizing who I was again, back to my core, listening to my gut, like just really trying to focus on that. And I ended up, you know, I was journaling more. Um, I was trying, you know, of course, everyone's like, oh, you know, put yourself first. And, and there's so many different ways of, like I say, self-care. Yeah. But I really focused on internally, just really clearing and cleaning myself out to accept love and be loved and then just empowering and surrounding myself with people that truly understood me really were supportive and wanting me to succeed and again showing my daughters that even though this was a yucky situation like I would say to them but it was for the best and you still have a mommy and you still have a daddy and we still love you very much but unfortunately mommy and daddy together not a good combo so, <laughs> uh, I know exactly what you're talking about yep but um yep so I, I actually ended up working with Lord and Taylor as a um I did some fashion styling and then I was working at different stores traveling I was finally in my happy place um and I was doing marketing and events and it was great and then all of this you know when you're in a better place your mind is clear things just happen and you're speaking things that are really great out loud and I met the true love of my life. Um, and honestly, I could not be more blessed with how our family has come together. I gained a beautiful stepdaughter, um, the same age as my older one. Um, and yeah, so, we, so three girls. So I feel bad for him between me and the three. 
Yes. But to be honest, it, it, I found myself reopening and reconnecting and coming back to loving everything about who I was. He made me stronger. Mm-hmm. He made me just fall back into what I really was passionate about. Um, and again, the support that I've gained from him that I think I just lacked tremendously has really made me just come out more. I, I think, you know, just pushing me out more into what I truly, truly love. So it's been a, it's been a blessing. I'm so extremely thankful that, you know, that the right person came into my life when I needed it. And I wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that was, you know, we're looking for love. No, I was focused on trying to be happy and be, yeah. you know, with girls. Um, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, starting my own business. So I 100% agree with that. It's um, it's funny, like, it's funny that you say, you know, like once you are gone, it's like you do. You have to take a really deep dive into self reflection and going, wow, like what is it that I really, really want? And making yourself happy. And my daughter, especially, like, um, I, I've got an only child, but I had the same conversation that you had with your children around sometimes mummies and daddies um, are better apart and that's totally okay and literally last week I had a conversation with her Um, she's with her father this week and um, he and I communicate very well together thankfully now (laughs) but (laughs) um, but yeah like um, you know you get to experience what it's like to be parented on two different paradigms and understanding how humans interact on different levels yep yeah absolutely yeah but also what you get to experience is two happy people living their own happy lives 100 (laughs) percent. yes i had the same conversation not too long ago with my daughter again just because sometimes it still is you know the back and forth but then she she said you know i know sometimes it's a little difficult doing the back and forth but i'm so much happier when i'm here and i'm happier when i'm with dad it's not this constant where I feel this energy and conflict. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And in fact, um, my daughter's teacher, um, I had an interview with her last week and she said, wow, you know, um, her name is Ava. And she said, I love that name. Um, And she said, you know, Ava's behavior and her academics in the last 12 months have just come ahead in leaps and bounds. And I was like, "Hmm, funny that. (laughs) King. and I said that to her father and I was like hmm, maybe we should have done this a while ago and we just both laughed because we're like yeah, yeah we probably should have but like and it's good that you can come to that point where you can just right. laugh and go right. oh but like you don't know until you're in it like that your behavior is actually affecting your children oh I know absolutely by question yeah like if my children did that like no no what I'm wondering is like because kids really, they do feed off you. As oh, 100%. So 100%. Like, while you were still married with your ex-husband, were your children feeding off of your pain and anxiety? and yeah. Yeah. 100%. And you could definitely see it and tell. And even their moments of just, um, I don't want to say anger, but frustration and not knowing how to really handle it because of them seeing us frustrated or you know in an argument or whatever um in the stress level or the anxiety of them feeling like you know what is going on or whatever so 
absolutely yeah it's because kids look to us as their as their adults as their primary they do look to us for their source of safety because that is our job Right. Um, often we do have these societal um, norms in the back of our heads of like, we've got to stay married, even if we're miserable as buggery. <laughs> like, but these, these kids have got to bloody suffer through. And because I don't want to, A, I don't want to be by myself. B, the monetary issues. Or C, I don't yeah. have Starting over, I ha- right. Starting over again. Nobody wants to start over again. No does it's just and you don't go into marriage or relationships or any of that so having children you don't go into it thinking that this is going to end oh right no and it's a whole it's I I tell a lot of women that are have been in the same you know um circumstance it's a whole entire fear this whole entire fear is really I always call it the dreaded f word because it's what holds everyone back and a lot of women are just very fearful of the what if or what's behind that curtain I'm too scared to look and I think that that's where you need to just stop and say you know what behind that curtain you make your own journey and make it as beautiful as you want um, and that's up to you okay you have to start over you know what it's not the end of the world everyone can do it you have surround yourself with positivity and love and people that can help you and things will start to bounce back um, and you'll be more proud of yourself than ever mm-hmm. by where you've accomplished and seen yourself than staying in that same situation where in your mind, you're so miserable and unhappy and find yourself, oh, there's no way out, but really there is, you know? Yeah. So I know that you said that you had, thankfully you had your parents to help you out. Um, I'm wondering what's, what sort of advice would you give to women? Cause I know that you work with women. Um, what sort of advice would you give to another woman who doesn't really have that support system behind her? And she knows she's in a situation that she, she has to get out of a for herself and B okay. for her children what would you say to a woman who is like, but I don't have the financial support or I don't have the community support or yeah. Right. You know, and well, for me, yes, I had my parents as far as falling back into, I have a place to stay, Hmm. but before, before I actually made the decision and actually served divorce papers, I myself made my own plan. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is how this is going to happen. I need to, you know, I had my, I had to open my separate bank account. And it's not that you're trying to not by all means be manipulative or anything. You're just trying to set yourself up for the safety net to just come out of it and having some sort of security mm-hmm. to know that you can function. Um, so those baby steps of trying to figure out and there's always an answer to anything. And I think that's when you need to also, if you don't have a lot, you know, family and friends, you know, to turn to some close friends or, you know, um, even like myself, like a coach or something that can kind of help you guide you or give you some, you know, some really quick tips to get you to just your mindset to be ready and focused to turn to that direction. Um, but that's how I maneuvered it, you know, and I, and just really, making a plan for yourself and your kids, if you have kids. Um, and that's what my main motivation was, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I lost everything. I lost my house. I lost, I had no, like I, everything. Um, and there's more, you know, nasty details to all that, but it yeah. was not, oh, my fault. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, and, and that was just, of course, very scary. But, you know, my priority was, you know, making sure that my kids had what they needed to be loved and safe and secure. And that's how I kind of managed through and pre-planned before the initial, here we go, you know? Yeah, I think making a plan beforehand is very, very smart. I think it's, and it's not about being manipulative. It's about survival. Um, You have to, yeah, right. You've got to have a plan because if you don't have that plan ahead of you, if you don't have the support, you do, it's there. You've just got to make the plan. And then once you've got the plan, start seeking and finding the support. And that is, okay. So I don't have friends. I'm sorry. If I don't have family around, who do I have around me? And who can I land? Who can I ask questions of that I feel supported by? Um, And if you don't have friends, because sometimes women can often be completely isolated from friends and family. And I'm not just talking about women, men too. It's a, it is a men thing as well, but um, you know, who can I go to? And that's when you really have to dig deep and go, it's not, that there's nobody available to you it's there is you've just got to look for it right and not be afraid to actually vocally share hey mm. this is what I'm going through I, I might need some support you know and I think that a lot of women might and that's where it goes back to the whole taboo of not talking about something or people don't won't see this coming type of thing mm. um but just being vulnerable to really have and share your moment with people that you know that can be there for you is what you got to let that guard down. Letting the guard down is very hard for us as humans, I feel like, because we all have these societal masks that we put on and we pretend. And I remember like when my ex-husband and I told everybody that we were separating and they were like, what? But you guys look so happy. Like, (sighs) And I'm like, but you never bloody, like, of course we looked happy. You know, you go out, outside of your doors, you put exactly. on Oh, my God, I say that all the time. Yes. <laughs> you go out, outside of your doors, and you put on your mask, and you put on your happy face, and you're like, hi, but underneath you're miserable as fuck. <laughs> and you're just like, no, really, I'm not happy. And, and, and yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I've said a million times behind closed doors it's not what everyone thought you know and 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 like I said even my whole my family had really no idea of what I experienced on this side versus what was you know shown and that's why I always say you know I I use like social media and I and when I talk about working on yourself I I always do the analogy of working from you know the um the inside out because everyone on a picture, everyone from the outside can look happy, amazing, all put together. But what's on the inside, if it's really hurting or if it's really in pain and no one can see that. And that's where you need to kind of dig in and kind of fix that. So I've actually found um, through my years of nursing and and things like that, that um, I've actually now been able to see through a lot of people's masks. Mm -hmm. Funnily enough um which it's a blessing and it's a curse too because it's because you're more clear of yeah. Who you are. yeah 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 so I'll go out and I'll see I'll look at people's pictures on um, on like the socials or I'll go out into society and 
and I'll be like, hi, how are you going? And uh, instantly I'll know if they're full of shit or <laughs> if right. or, or if they're being truthful because yeah. I'll be like, hi, I'm doing really right. I'm doing really well. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can tell, but it's none of my business. So I'll be like, are you really giving mm-hmm. them that little open sort of, and it's like, you know, they'll either talk or they won't. Some some people will go, actually, no, my life has just turned to shit. And blah, 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 blah. you know, like <laughs> does that happen for you now that you've Yeah, it's true, yes. And you can and it's funny how you really can pinpoint and recognize and pick up on it. And I think it's because of the fact that you've changed how you view things and your mindset's in a completely different spot and place to where you were before. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of pick up those. And I, I always say, I always bring back to when, you know, when your mom used to tell you, you don't hang out with those people and she had this sense and you're like, but I don't understand. They're my friend. Now I, I totally get it. You know, <laughs> like clearing things out and just making like myself more aware of where I am. Um, you can really pick up on, people and where either where they're at or what intentions really are there so it's the subtle cues I think yeah the subtle cues we um I think we completely underestimate the subtle cues of people um Mm -hmm. sometimes obviously because we're in our own heads about our own shit and stuff or whatever but sometimes I believe that once you've gone through some form of adversity no matter what it is you do, mm-hmm. you do tend to pick up on other people's subtle cues because you've been through it yourself. Right. Yep. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, through all of uh, those particular moments that you've been through, what um, I'm a big advocate for self-care um, and self-love. Obviously, you find self-love through those particular moments in time. What forms of self-care did you use to help you navigate through that? those times. Yeah. You know, I was really big on, um, going for walks and having that alone time being in nature, just kind of having my mind think, but in a, in a more peaceful, subtle way versus the noise or the Mm. TVs on in the background or, you know, um, that really helped me out as far as having that self-love internally for myself. Mm. Um, journaling was huge for me. Um, because I was able to, I'm very big on pen to paper and just writing things down. I feel like there's so much power to that, that we've lost. Yeah. Uh, so I'm constantly writing. I have notebooks or this, you know, I'm, I'm constantly putting things down, but that was very helpful. And it, it really did, you know, help with emotional, mm. you know, outburst or anything that I was feeling, even happy times or, you know, um, you know, and just being with my kids was was my own self-care because as long as I, I saw them happy and they knew that they were safe and secure and, and loved, that's for me was like that internal love that I needed to know that things were okay. Um, that that's how it kind of started. And of course, then I got back into getting back into the fashion and then of course, you know, beauty and, you know, skincare was green, you know, but at the same time, I think internally, what was really big for me was just taking those moments to just be with myself. And I, I got into some meditation at the time as well. And it was just, it was a, a, an amazing time to just kind of clear all that toxicity out of my life. <laughs> Self-care, like we do as mothers and women, men too. And I'm, this is not a, you know, 
we do as humans as we get older we forget about the self-care thing and we get into our 40s and i mean i mean i'm not 40 yet i am 40 this year but but you I do just get 40 <laughs> did you? yeah it's almost i don't know it's the brain i know now it's the brain so but um you kind of take it for granted your body and your mind and yeah. how important it is if that you water your mind with greatness and then your body will follow afterwards and mm-hmm. um self-care is so underestimated and thankfully like yeah my um my daughter goes to a specific school that that they don't uh like they don't use technology um and they're very big on pen to paper because yes. pen to paper uh, sorry pen to paper actually has there's a lot of research around that for the brain in 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 that um it helps you to learn and it also helps you to um process emotion and process Mm -hmm. things on a very much deeper level than it would say if you were doing it through technology it's more authentic yeah yeah and and the fact that, so that's why when you said I, I'm a big pen to paper person, I was just like, oh, yes, you're speaking. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's 100% what I agree with and it's what my daughter does. It's what I encourage. Oh, that's a, that's yeah, because you like if you have technology taken away from you, like what have you got? Not, not that it would ever be because we're in an era of technology and that's fine, but I'm a massive believer in like go back to basics because if technology is ever taken away from us it's a possibility it might it's also not a possibility but you if you're a human being right if you've got those very basic skills for yourself then that can't be taken away right absolutely right yeah yeah no no i only share that like self-care isn't selfish and I, i i preach it so many times because i feel like again women because we're talking about women and who I help with, but um, we put so much pressure on ourselves because of society and what we're supposed to do and not do that we we tend to lose who we are because we're so focused on other yeah. things, whether it's family or your kids and stuff. But if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not giving your 100% real value to whoever you're with. So not by all means, please, please, please give yourself something to that will value your your soul and your body yeah find your own find your own value or your self-care mode and I constantly spruik this to my friends and family it's like it doesn't have to because they're like oh you know you journal every day and I'm like yes I love it it's my it's my form of self-care well I'm like what's yours and they're like I don't know and I'm like fucking hell like what did you how could you not know what you're and then and then I'm like okay is it singing? Is it dancing? Is it, you know, and it's, and it's creativity for me, writing. I don't know if it's for you. Obviously it is. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Writing is my form of self care and self healing and downloading. Find what works for you because it's never going to be the same. I mean, I don't know. So what is it that you do with women in regards to your particular branding and stuff like that? So I I help women um, try to navigate a better path to a more clear and 
beautiful, amazing journey where they see themselves, but they're just too scared and fearful to attain. And so with that, I offer some amazing self-care boxes that you can definitely order through my website. Um, you can do it for three months or get one occasionally, but I've partnered with other women-owned businesses that we can also just include. And each box is different. I still do them all myself. I actually have my, my daughters are my little helpers when it comes to boxing things. Um, yeah. But it, it includes, you know, anything from eight to 10 different products that all have something to do with, you know, bringing you back to just relaxation. I love including journals of affirmation cards, candles, any new beauty products that I might be working with. What girl doesn't like a piece of jewelry or some new makeup? So all of that to kind of give that smile and that happiness of like, oh my gosh, someone actually thought of me or I thought of myself and bringing that whole you know, self-care love back into place. Um, so I have those and I do a lot of the coaching as well with women and, and different sessions and group settings um, just to really get women to just ignore that loud noise and push mm -hmm. them through what their better version of themselves are. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important. Um, I'm Even though I come from a healthcare setting, you know, the medical model of of, of healthcare, um, I'm a massive believer in holy. In it, it's it's never a you know you go to the doctor. Doctor, I'm depressed and I'm anxious and I feel like shit and I hate my life. Okay, mm -hmm. here's a medication. Do this. Go back. Come back. Right. I don't. I and the reason why I started this podcast was because I was sick of seeing that stuff too. People consistently, you know, on this wheel and coming back and coming back. And I'm like, man, there's a better way to life than this. And not even just for them. I was thinking for, even for myself, I'm like, life is not just about being on this wheel, you know, being married for the rest of your life, being in the same job for the rest of your life, having the same house for your whole life excuse me um and I said and I remembered saying to myself and my ex-husband I'm like there's got to be more to life than this after seeing so many I nursed a lot of people who were dying and died um passed away I should say and and I just remember thinking you know if, if I got to the end of my life would I be happy with this you know and and there's got to be an in-between you know there's got to be some way to get to the other side right and it's self things that I've never been taught. Think people like yourself who coaches, um, not just psychologists either, like coaches, friends, family. If you don't have friends or family, find a coach, find a mentor, find somebody. There are people out there that are willing to bloody help you to get to the other side through the in-between, right? Like, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I've heard, there was one lady that I heard one time saying, I, I once I die, pass away, and I am <laughs> faced with the person that I am now, would I be happy with how I lived my life? Do I want, what do I need to change? And so, you know, it's like, well, you know, if you look at it that way, yeah. it's like, that's pretty harsh. But at the same time, like, you really got to make sure you are doing what you feel like you are supposed to be doing and are happy doing and not just... I feel like everything is just so mundane society wise and everyone's on the same, you know, routine and right. We get so, and um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's a psychology term. Mm -hmm. 
Um, basically, at the bottom, it's it's all about you know safety. It's meeting your own safety needs, and you know it, it goes up to self actualization. It's like this little triangle thing. Right. And, um, have a look. It's pretty interesting. Um, and basically, at the crux of it, we all want to feel safe. I mean, that's our first basic need. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also where a lot of people get very stuck. Absolutely. <laughs> I just yeah. want to feel safe. I don't want to feel unsafe because unsafe means uncertain and I and that's where anxiety gets bred and anxiety you know I feel like a lot of people wear anxiety as a badge Mm -hmm. it's not a badge anxiety everybody has it it's meant it's inbuilt in our in our energetic system as a human for fight or flight to like run away from um like animals right animals that are going to chase us and come after us or whatever but we don't live in that society anymore yet we're so stuck in this level of anxiety of oh but the economy is going to come after us or our health is going to no you're in control so we are all in control of our own needs now and but we're so stuck in this anxious yeah uh craziness or whatever but um and we don't have to be because in order to get to the self-actualization process, which a lot of us can get to, you know, there are steps to get there um, and there are people that will support us to get to those particular needs, especially yes. through the in-between and then especially, you know, yes, we've got health professionals, but then we've also got people like yourself, coaches and books and mentors and we've got this whole plethora of things available to us and then we're like, but I've got nothing available. Yes, you do. Right. Yes, I know. And I think it's that that in between where a lot of people are just so fearful of the unknown. Um, but that's what makes the beauty of you handling your own journey on where you're going to go and what's going to bring you to where your happy place is. Um, and it's just, you know, just breaking that cycle to have allow people to recognize and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to have these emotional moments because it's normal. We're humans. Um, but that shouldn't hold you back because if you weren't human, you wouldn't feel this and you wouldn't be able to continue. So, yeah, I agree. Um, so in wrapping up and I always love wrapping up the podcast with things that make you happy. So, and I, in food indulgences in beautiful food and music and, I love inspirational quotes and all of that sort of stuff. I would love to know from yourself, like, do you have like a favorite food, inspirational quote, music, or something to, that just really lights you up? You know. Well, you're speaking my language when you say food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Food and a wonderful glass of wine, and I am a very happy girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as quotes, there's so many, but um, Audrey Hepburn has a beautiful one talking about it. I probably don't have the exact quote, but the, to the extent of it, getting living your life fullest while being happy is the most important thing. And I feel like that's where we lose a lot of the sense of where we are. People forget that we're given an opportunity as this life to live it to the fullest and to just really bless ourselves with happiness instead of being stuck in those moments that don't, that kind of just hold us back and are stuck. Um, but if you look at the bigger picture and I wish people would kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say wake up, but you know, <laughs> really just understand that there is way more than that nine to five job or, you know, 
I have to do groceries every Sunday, you know, just open yourself up to living what is this positive and help happiness. It will trigger so many beautiful and amazing things that you will just see a huge change and it really does happen and you just have to allow it to happen. So that would be my, my, uh, my statement. <laughs> I love that. No, you're so right though. You are so, so right. Life is too short to live it based on other people's expectations of you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. hundred percent. Yeah. At the end of the day, everyone's going to have a a particular opinion or vision and it's, you have to ignore the noise It's hard as it may be, but you have to really learn to filter what's important to you. Yeah. Do you have, um, like I know for myself, I love to listen to music and sing to my daughter, much to her annoyance. (laughs) Oh my gosh, me too. I'm always (laughs) telling me, mom, please stop. And I'm like, I thought I could sing. (laughs) What's something that you just love to sing to or love to listen to even, even if it's not singing? Like, what do you love to listen to? Well, we we listen to everything. That's one thing in our family that we just jam out all the time, which I truly love, um, even in the cards. But when we want, like, our mood to just kind of um, be, like, happy, um, it's that Bob Marley song. Oh, God. What is it called? Now, of course, I'm blank. (laughs) a happy it's one of those happy songs oh my gosh anyways it's a bob marley song <laughs> okay that's all right bob marley yep so you like a bit of bob marley yeah um so it makes us all like happy but you know we're just as far as like a particular one we just love anything anything yeah. that's just and you know happy, my, happy and just whatever happy and happy yeah. and just get you moving yeah so yeah. we're constantly playing different things and yeah what about food what's your favorite food what's something just makes you feel so happy just like oh god this is so great I absolutely love Mexican food (laughs) oh yeah me too right that's great um so yeah that and of course look at Italian with an amazing glass of wine I'm I'm thrilled and happy Mm -hmm. um so that would yeah that would have to be my two too good foods. I've, I've, I've interviewed quite a lot of people from New York recently and every time they say New York all I can think about is the Italian food that's over there and I say to them constantly I'm like if I come to New York I'm going to look you up and you are going to take me to the most <laughs> authentic Italian place in New York and it's got to be the diviest place ever because that's what I'm like. funny but yeah. it's hilarious <laughs> I just think it's so important that to realize that, yeah, we all go through these yucky bullshit things in life. But like, if you've got these beautiful things also to look forward to, it's just a blip in the radar. Yep. I love that. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I've really, I've really loved and enjoyed this conversation and I love sharing these stories. It's so great. So thank you so much for coming on. It's oh, been- thank you. This was, this yeah. was amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> great. Thanks heaps. And um, yeah, we'll chat soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Denise.